Hello and welcome to Postgres FM, a weekly show about all things PostgreSQL. I am Michael, founder of PG Mustard. This is my co-host Nikolai, founder of Postgres AI. Hey Nikolai, what do you want to talk about this week? Hi Michael, it's very boring. Next time I should uh, uh, introduce ourselves. Next time it's my turn. Like, let's have less boring episodes. Let's talk about ChatGPT. Yeah. It's time. I guess during last three months uh, since GPT-4 released, uh, everyone already tried it at least a few times. Yeah, exactly. We're not gonna, Hopefully we're not going to cover any of the basics in terms of what it is and everything. I think most, yeah, everyone yeah, knows, pretty much everybody yeah, knows yeah. that already. And if not, I'm sure other people have done it better than we possibly could. But you want to talk about how people can be using it with Postgres, whether they should, what the risks are, what the opportunities are, that kind of thing. Uh, right. Let's talk not about PG Vector and how to put embeddings <laughs> and how to extend behavior of chat GPT and so on, but uh, GPT-4 and so on, like GPT-345. Uh, let's talk about user experience to support SQL developer experience. And you are a database engineer or you are backend engineer who needs to work with Postgres. And maybe you are DBA who needs to work with Postgres. What can it bring you? Pros and cons. Let's talk about these aspects. I, I, I mean, I mean, PG Vector is a great thing, and we see Superbase, Neon, and even RDS recently started to have to provide it. It's super cool. A lot of new ideas are being implemented. But let's just put this topic aside and focus only on regular user experience. I'm a user. I mean, I'm a developer. I'm I'm developing my app, or I'm a DBA, or I'm writing SQL code, or I'm analyzing my data using SQL data analysts or something, how ChatGPT can help, uh, and so on. Sounds good. I like this topic because I think we're going to, it's going to be one of the ones we disagree most on. So I think I'm I, sorry in advance. If I, I hope finally, sorry for interrupting. I hope we will disagree hundred percent in all aspects in this topic. Yeah, maybe not all aspects, but I think I'm a lot more negative about some of these things or a lot more conservative, maybe cautious than you are based on our previous discussions. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. You're not alone. Let's see. I take it as a, as a valid uh, assumption uh, that everyone already tried it at least once. The only thing is that is a GPT-4 version still for paid customers or it's for free as well? I believe it's still paid only. Right. Default is 3.5. A lot of people used 3.5. And my first point, don't use it. Yeah, version 4 is a lot better in some very noticeable Just don't ways. use 3.5. Don't use 3.5. Don't use integration with 3.5. Don't use it. Forget about it. So quick thing, if you see people sharing screenshots, I think an easy way of telling the difference is on version 4, you'll see there's a it's a black logo uh, when ChatGPT is responding. And in 3.5, yeah. it's a green logo. So that's an easy way of seeing like what somebody's used if they share screenshots. In all, in all my experiments, 3.5 was quite silly, stupid, and very basic, and a lot of hallucination. Four, sometimes a lot of hallucination still, but so more like deep and wide. So just use version four. It's much, much, much better. That's why uh, when it was released, a new wave of attention has started. But as I said, you're not alone being pessimistic. Assuming everyone tried, right? I'm checking poll results. I started a couple of days ago on LinkedIn, on Twitter. I asked, uh, do you use ChatGPT for your Postgres-related work? Three options, not at all, a few times per week, or already a daily user. And the Twitter, 80% not at all, 80. 15, a few times per week, five. How many voted? 
How many voted? Uh, 99. Okay, well. Not many, but I started it two days ago. So sometimes I have more votes uh, during two days. And mm -hmm. already daily user, just 5%. Just 5%. I'm, a, I'm close to being already daily user. And LinkedIn, similar, actually better in terms of positive usage. Not at all uh, 60, few times 30, daily user, 10. And sample again? Sample, 81, also not many. Okay. But not 10. <laughs> not 10, yeah, around yeah. 100, but not many. And with thousands of impressions, I guess many people just not vote. Did that surprise you? What I feel when GPT-4 was released, huge wave started. It was boom, right? Now we're on declining side, mm -hmm. but it's going to change, I bet. Because, of course, GPT-5, when it will be released uh, later this year, maybe next year? Well, Have they announced that? There are some rumors, I guess, only uh, sure. maybe later this week, maybe next year. But of course, this will be a boom. But also, I think people are developing new integrations. They are just methodologies and so on. It's going to uh, stay, in my opinion. I'm very positive that it, it's, it's a super helpful thing. And I'm using it almost daily. But many people disagree. I see it. We see posts like, don't use it at all, which is wrong. I say, use it a lot. Just use version four. Of course, it has like this uh, stupid limitation, 25 messages per three hours. I often bump into it. And then it says, okay, switch to 3.5. And 3.5 is just terrible in my, in my experience uh, compared to what four, version four provides. So what, how come you're using it so much? What kinds of things are you using it for? Good. Let's explore this. Where to start? Uh, developer or uh, administrative like infrastructure tasks? Maybe focus more on what's the most common things you use it for, like in terms of frequency. How come it's nearly daily? I don't need the help with SQL usually. Mm -hmm. Well, let me to be honest. Yesterday I saw, I don't use uh, procedures often. And yesterday I needed to code some procedure, not function. Well, I could do function as usual, but I wanted you know, transaction control. So it's something which talks to external service right from Postgres primary, which is not uh, good, but in this case, we do it understanding problems. So I saw some examples somewhere in the documentation and saw begin atomic, and I actually didn't know what begin atomic is. Well, I can guess, right? So I asked ChatGPT, it says I'm like version September 2021, outdated Postgres doesn't support begin atomic, it says. Obviously it does, just in new versions. But then it says, you know, in SQL standard, this means that the whole body will be single transaction. Well, okay, obviously. And I'm sure Postgres documentation would explain it, just not on the same page. I just searched for it, didn't find it. ChatGPT was a faster way to understand it. Well, I understand. Okay, now it's single transaction. I don't need it. I need the regular begin and then commits to split to multiple transactions. It was useful. I mean, it was well, faster way to, rather than Google or uh, trying to find it in documentation. Documentation has this on different page, obviously, right? But can I just add at this point, it's super interesting that you use it for that. I wasn't expecting kind of factual checking to be number, like the first use case, because my main fear with using it for things like that, like if, I, if I check the source code, even if it takes me a few seconds later, if, it, if I check the Postgres docs, I trust that it's true what it says. If I check Jack GBT, how do I know it's true? Like, of course, with a with an example like that, you believe it's true because that's also your instinct as to what Begin Atomic was going to mean. But 
I get incorrect or false results often enough that I now no longer trust what it's saying. I don't see any problems here at all. Let's uh, have some spectrum of um, level of trust. Documentation mm -hmm. probably is the top trustworthy source of mm -hmm. proof, but it has bugs sometimes also. True, yeah. Just uh, it's not often at all. Very low percentage. It's not ideal still. It might have false statements sometimes or misleading. But probability is tiny. Especially tiny for things that matter, right? Like, if it was something that mattered, it would have been more likely to have been corrected. Like, right, it's right. more likely to have bugs in places that don't matter so much. That would be my instinct. Right. Now, let's take books, for example. Mm -hmm. Give me any book. I will find a problem with logic and false statements. I mean, Postgres book. Give me any book. I will find it. Because they are much lower in terms of quality. I didn't see any super quality books uh, at all. The Art of PostgreSQL, Dimitri Fontaine. I must admit, didn't read it fully, but okay, this is my homework. I will find problems in it. <laughs> Sorry, Dimitri. Ch challenge accepted. Yeah, it's a very good book. Yeah, well, maybe it will be not with logic, but something like controversial statement or something. Easy, I will find it. What about... Marcus Wynn and SQL Performance Explained. Very good. Very good example. Uh, yeah, this is a very good example. Second challenge accepted. I will find uh, some issues. <laughs> You've read well. that one, surely. Well, uh, I read some parts of it. Okay. Also a very good book. This is a very quality book. You, you chose good examples. Yeah, because, and this is my point about Google search as well, right? Like, so documentation very high. Po sorry, Postgres documentation very good. Books, because I know the authors, I have a higher level of trust. So if, if I can check just a couple author, of people plus more couple of people who are correct, it's just a tiny group of people. They for sure make some mistakes. For sure. I'm not, question, I'm not questioning that. I'm just saying it's maybe slightly lower than documentation because I don't believe as many eyes have gone on it. And I don't believe it's as easy to correct. Although Postgres documentation could be easier to correct for sure. Then Google, like search results, for example... Again, you get some metadata, you get some information about who wrote this, when did they write this, you can like check some sources and you, you build up a bunch, like over time, even on Stack Overflow, for example, over time you start to notice some people that give amazing answers and some names I just trust more than others when, when it comes to like a Stack Overflow response. But on ChatGPT, I get no information about the source. Where did this information come from? What's it derived from? You get no kind of... I, I don't get any signals as to whether to trust it or not. You see Marcus Winand, perfect author. I like have huge respect to this author. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But if you don't know this name, where is trust coming from? Yeah, I understand trust is built over time for sure. The first time I read it, I check it's true. Okay, yeah, that was that was good. And then the second time and the third time and the, and the tenth time. And sometimes they teach me something that I didn't expect or they question an assumption I had that I didn't realize I had. And then when I verify, it's true again. Verify is the key thing mm -hmm. I wanted you know, in this episode to deliver. Yeah. I don't trust anyone. It's sometimes <laughs> I don't trust documentation even. <laughs> And in my whole uh, practice with Postgres consulting practice, my daily like development and so on, I often don't trust myself. Like maybe I'm wrong and this is normal. And the key point you need to verify, you need to experiment, test and so on. You need also, you need to know how to proper do it. For example, if you do something with a large data set, use large data set and so on. And same here, of course, some authors produce super 
high quality statements and share super high quality thoughts. For example, Tom Lane in PG Skill Hackers. In 99% unbeatable logic, right? But sometimes some statements, even from Tom Lane, I could argue and some people could argue as well because uh, life is not like simple. Maybe, for example, Tom Lane said something, but for you, for your particular case, it's not cannot be applied, for example, or you have different experience and Tom Lane said, don't use this approach, but you're still using it and you find it super helpful in your case. It might happen. So if you consider ChatGPT as some consultant and version four should be used again, assume everything with grain of salt, verify. The magic is that you can tell, you know, you say something, but there is, there is uh, something wrong here, right? And it uh, can uh, fix problems it adjusts so this chain of communication sometimes it's annoying like every answer starts i apologize for confusion right i have it so many times but it's super helpful like same like i hire someone and the guy is super fast in answering and has super wide knowledge sometimes quite deep as well but might hallucinating sometimes it's okay and if i have a very good way to verify ideas and iterate. I cannot understand how to live without it at all. Yeah. So this is, so you're saying that having access to chat GPT four is like hiring somebody with a credible breadth of knowledge, sometimes very deep knowledge, and they're always online. They always reply straight away. They're never in the middle of something else or except, you know, when, when you run out of queries per hour. Yeah, I completely agree with that. The one thing I would say is a bit different. No, 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 no. You hire someone and you don't trust uh, this employee 100%. You need to verify ideas and sometimes tell, you know, you're you're probably wrong. You can work with with ChatGPT as with person. And interesting that in my consulting career with Postgres Consulting, since I moved to California 10 years ago, I was no name here, right, initially. And when when I go to companies like Chewy, GitLab, and others, they doubt everything you say, everything. So if you say something, uh, you need to prove you are right. And the best way to prove, obviously, is to try and show how it works and explain in very detail how to repeat it. So you say something, you claim something, and you show how to check it, to verify it. And if you consider ChatGPT is not 100% reliable thing, it's not documentation, right? It's some consultant who is wrong sometimes, quite often wrong, but we allow it to be wrong sometimes, right? But we need, like, without a way to verify it, you will end up concluding that uh, this is a bad tool. With verification approach, doubt everything and verify it. And if it shows mistakes, show these mistakes and ask to uh, fix them. It works very well. One big difference versus a consultant or human in general, or at least uh, the types of humans I would employ, is that when it is wrong, it's very confidently wrong. It doesn't say, I'm not sure, or I'm, you know, it doesn't ever, it's very, very confident in its answers, which is very different from humans. So that is, uh, that's a big difference, but it's also a lot cheaper than humans. So I think it's like, 
It's not a fair comparison at all. Good consultants always put some doubt element into all statements. Like, I would say that, or most likely, blah, 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 and so on. Like, there are many, many intro phrases consultants use, which assume some probability of mistake. And my own style is, I always say, I'm not sure. I never, I'm never sure. In our own episodes, I was wrong many times. For example, I just commented, I responded to some YouTube comment where I corrected myself. I claimed delete has an index amplification problem. It doesn't. Because nice. deletes just put Xmax to, to tuple. Indexes are not touched. And I corrected myself in YouTube comment and someone asked to explain, to elaborate, which I did. I can elaborate some other time. But when I elaborated in that comment, I thought, maybe I'm wrong, you know. I checked docs, I checked, I didn't check source code. I checked Igor Rogov's uh, Postgres inside, inside Postgres. Uh, internals, yeah. No, it's not internals, inside Postgres. In Russian, it's inside Postgres. Okay. Perfect book, by the way, Transla fully translated to English and so on, but published on... Perfect uh, book without mistakes. Is that what you're saying? Well... Uh, I'm teasing Igor, you, Igor, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I'm sure there are mistakes there, but... Yeah. Well, if you ask... I, I'm sure if you ask Igor, he will admit some probability of mistakes there. Of course. Good, author, good authors always admit it, and good consultants always... So, what I did eventually, before I put comment to YouTube, I went to PSQL and verified everything I'm going to say. And then I added it to the comment. And I found in my consultant's practice that we always need to do... If we claim something, show it. And that's something ChatGPT can't do. It can. I mean, yes and no. ChatGPT cannot. But you can, assume it can be wrong, assume it can be hallucinating, ask ChatGPT to, to provide some ideas, examples. It's a brainstorm tool. It's not verification tool. There you go. Yeah. But then you need verification tool. And I'm going to shamelessly advertise what we do. Postgres AI, DBLM. This is perfect verification tool. Database branching, thin cloning. If you have ChatGPT and if you have cheap and fast way to check anything, well, of course, you cannot check hard things like hardware change and so on. But SQL query behavior on large datasets, thin cloning and database branching is priceless here. People work on bottomless, on serverless, but we work on priceless thing, which is database branching, true database branching on any Postgres, any location. This is my company, my product. So you take ChatGPT and you go verify on a clone. Clone is provisioned in a second for free. No, I mean, you need to prepare it, but then you have uh, zero extra costs. And then you can iterate. Okay, you say, you know, on my one terabyte database, this is what I see. And I have, like, this is... I'm considered like as a human, like it may, it might, it might be mistaken. So you propose something which is not working on my one terabyte database, and it will adjust. And in in a couple of iterations, you will have much better results. And I think this is something you hear. With code, it works pretty well. I already used it for Ansible coding, shell scripting, like some advanced shell scripting, React coding. I'm not a React expert at all, but I did some many things. I Wow, with ChatGPT I can do many things. Because with code, you can easily check it very quickly because you can run it. Uh, if it's C, probably you need to, to wait until it's been compiled, right? 
That's a really good point, though. It's easy to verify quite quickly. So we've actually skipped a bit. Originally, we were talking about verifying things that you could check in the docs, for example, or asking it for factual information. Now we're talking about trying out ideas, like idea generation, brainstorming. And now I get for simple, for isolated things, it's very easy to test those things. What about system-wide issues? Like if you're asking about... I don't know, some modeling question. Would you use it for that kind of thing where it's like you're maybe so, asking architectural decisions? Is this a good idea or is that a good idea? It's a, everything is a good idea. It absorbed a lot of stuff. It absorbed Stack Overflow. Of course, sometimes it's, again, hallucinating easily. But if you prepend all responses, like take it with a grain of salt, this is what I think. As would any good consultant say. Without verification, I can say this, but it should, like, this needs thorough verification. But from top of my mind, I think this. If you prepare something like consultant-style phrase to any chat GPT responses, if you use GPT-4, it will become very good, useful tool. You unlock your ideas, and then you go to verify them. Then you come back and say, this is not working, and so on. Data modeling, perfect example. Seeding is a perfect example. I have uh, new tables I, I haven't launched yet. I use it recently. I have some rows already there, which is probably represent my data in future. Can you generate more? Okay, I have 10 rows. I want 10 gigabytes of rows. Can you help me? It says, okay, use this snippet with generate series. This is my real life example. ChatGPT version 4 provided some pretty interesting generated series example. With very useful comments, you can adjust these parameters in this snippet. Mm -hmm. It was super helpful. I would spend some time generating this. I used it and said, you know, I wanted 10 gigabytes, but this produced only three. It says, no worries, adjusted. We generated seven more gigabytes in second iteration. I have now some data set. I can start testing my application using this data set. Yeah. This is a very valid uh, case. Yeah, I can see that. I've had similar experience with helping me generate. I needed an example for a blog post. And I think sometimes I get blocked on those, you know, just trying to think a little bit creatively about. So you also use it? Yeah, I've used it, but my experience is different. I And I've, okay. I pay for four as well at the moment. I'm, and then. Go on, um, stop. Hold on. Maybe going to stop. I haven't used okay. it for a couple of weeks. But for sometimes like if I'm explain, blocked creatively, I've found it helpful. I, th I like your th premise that it's it can be used as a brainstorming tool. I very much agree that it can be really helpful for some creative ideas. In brainstorm approach, like enterprise style, we always say, like, during brainstorm, don't criticize ideas. We just collect ideas. Don't demotivate people. So don't demotivate ChatGPT. It, it, it tries it, its its best, you know. Well, but it also lies, and that's my like. It also doesn't say as I'm humans sure, do. Or it depends, yeah. But it it lies way more explicitly. And I and one thing I'd say is the reason lots of people disagree on this is like I think it's a little bit half glass full, half glass empty type viewing of it. When I see people praising ChatGPT, they could easily get an answer that has ten bullet points in it. And seven of them are quite impressive. And three of them are garbage. The glass half full person's like, oh my goodness, how did it get those seven so good? And they know enough that the three are not dangerous or are not a problem if it's talking complete nonsense or if it's suggesting really bad ideas. Whereas I think it's a very fair criticism to say 
that there's, there were three quite dangerous pieces of advice in there. Please don't listen to what this thing's saying. And I think that's where some people are coming from. Like, I think we saw that post by Christoph Petters just uh, a couple of days ago saying, don't use it for advice because sometimes it's really that's badly wrong. And stuff. Naive, this, that's naive statement. Uh, everyone will be going to use it. Do you see the different like angles? You could be viewing the exact same 10 bullet points and one person says this is amazing and one person says this is dangerous. If you hire a consult consultant, it, it's going at some point to be mistaken. Again, prepend my prefix to all responses. Yeah. Like if OpenAI would be more like, I don't know, they should probably do it. But I agree. Instead of I apologize for confusion, they should prepare, in the first answer, they should prepare, like, take this with a grain of salt, this is what I think, without verification. Go and verify it. Yeah, it would be much less impressive. So, in 2016-17, I started to, to give talks about database experiments. Mm -hmm. Like, my approach is verify everything. Yeah. And, of course, it might take ages to verify everything. That's why we need to simplify it to speed it up to to make it cheap experiments and we found a way think along your database branching it's recipe for most of needs uh, backend engineers have not dbas and infrastructure teams they have different needs but programmers backend engineers and front -end engineers sometimes we can satisfy them very well with think cloning and database branching so with this uh, approach in uh, like Zero trust approach. If security have a zero trust approach, why couldn't we have this with development, in development? Okay, someone has some idea, but without verification, we have zero trust into it. We say thank you, but we are going to check it. With this approach, I cannot see how you can consider ChatGPT as a bad tool at all. Right. I think we've covered accuracy quite well. I wanted to ask a couple more things. First one, privacy. Like, how are you feeling about their privacy policy in general? Yeah, how do you think about that? Okay, this that's a tough question. Before we go there, let me remind our listeners that we had a beautiful session with ChatGPT and SQL optimization. It's on Postgres TV YouTube channel. I would like to have another one. It would be great. There were some funny moments and some, yeah, it was a good, yeah. I think we spent a long time in the end. Yes, but summary was, uh, it exceeded my expectations. Yeah, it was quite good, a few things. And, and I think we gave it quite a good example. We only, I think we only checked one example. It exceeded it. not at first iteration. So yeah, uh, secret source was verification. Uh, because I said, you know, I tried this, it doesn't help. But I also said, I know there is a good uh, answer. <laughs> well, you can say it always, right? <laughs> so it's but not you don't something think to, right? I didn't reveal anything. It found proper answer after iterations. And my, like, I insisted, right? So, so. Extra prompts, like first, second extra and prompts. third prompts. I said, let's mm -hmm. try again, let's try again, let's try again. And eventually it provided a very good example and we verified it. And that index was great. And this is what I also export myself. Also not right. at first iteration. No, like, there are no perfect, perfect humans. So if you consider ChatGPT as a more like a human, it helps. Well, on the topic of SQL optimization, I obviously, as a product maker, I was thinking, should I be using this in my product? Or like, how could I, is it a threat? You know, it's a direct, in a way, if it can be used for SQL optimization, it's a direct competitor to the product I make. So it's naturally a very serious thought. And maybe 
maybe I'm deliberately negative. You know, consultants being negative on it and telling you not to use it could also be self-preservation, right? Same with a tool maker who it could be competitive to. But what I wanted to say was the reason I've not used it yet in the product, the reason I'm not planning to anytime soon is we want to give advice that is trustworthy, that does come with a lot of, uh, you know, it does optimize to not give those false positive, those, uh, those bad advice that's dangerous. And that, like, that's something advice. I'm not willing to, exactly. Yeah. So I think there's an interesting trade-off there. My approach is very different. Mm-hmm. I've learned in my life that it's good in terms of finding interesting results. It's good to generate a lot, of, like this brainstorm approach. You generate crazy ideas, a lot of them. And then just go and verify them. If verification takes a limited time and limited budget, it's great. So I would rather choose 10 ideas, three of them are crazy and wrong, than just five ideas which are, are trustworthy. I would, I would grab 10 and go verify them. My approach is like, give me all ideas. I'm going to verify, like I have zero trust to any, any statements. So I'm going to verify myself anyway. And without this verification component, we have only half story here. Let's skip to privacy. Okay. And I want, to, I want to ask about something else as well. Why, why um, do you say privacy? Okay, sorry. This is the same thing. So privacy, I, it's, not, it's not resolved problem. And I remember in DBiver, they have bold statement, you can disable it here, fully disable it here. Integration with ChatGPT, which is, of course, demonstrates that they know that many people Mm-hmm. are concerned and we know some countries haven't banned chat dpt some already unbanned it so like it's still shaky area right it's not fully clear how to approach this because my question to you like open ai is it like about openness of everything if you talk to chat dpt revealing you some data and some secrets is it, going, is it going to be open as well because it's open ai so now my my SSN, bank account, routing number, everything is going to be open or what? They say no, right? Like, I know you're joking, but they say no. But do you, like, it's an American company, right? Like, it's for profit company now, I believe. Like, I know it started as a, I know it's supposed to be more of a non-profit initiative. And, but now I believe it's a fully for profit company. I pay them, um, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, you could pay a non-profit as well. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I think there's a real concern there. I've definitely seen some companies also not allow their employees to use it for these for yeah. some of these concerns. Full ban. But the main reason I see people not using it or being told they can't use it is actually around IP. So like in terms of using what it tells you, like about, around, oh, I guess it's around the ethics of it. How did they, you know, the gathering of that information. Do you have any concerns on that side of, of how they got the information Let's split it into parts. Mm-hmm. We have query, SQL queries. We have explained plans. And we have some additional parts of IP, like ideas and uh, like approaches and so on. I'm strong against patents and ideas. Ideas should flow. Like a like scientific approach. You go to conference, share ideas, everyone takes it, improves it, and so on. And somebody, somebody maybe not you, will win. Of course, many people will not uh, agree with me in terms of patents and ideas. But this is my opinion. I think it's bad for innovation and for progress. But if we talk about queries and plans, what do you think? What's the best name for a project will, that will solve it? PG Mask or PG Gloves, Gloves or something else? 
I don't understand. Okay. Uh, imagine you talk to ChatGPT and you show some query and some maybe some plans or execution, explain plans which uh, PG Master is working with for as well. And before you sending to ChatGPT, you just transform all table names, object names, and parameters to some something. Oh, like a yeah, okay. So, like Depez, Depez does that, right? Like anonymization yeah. tool. Yeah, Depez has it for plans, explain mm -hmm. plans. Imagine this project will transform all object names to something. So you're saying you, you can anonymize it, send it through, get it back anonymized, read and like code and then decode, right, right? Yeah, I understand. Or mask and mask or anonymize, de-anonymize. You keep mapping. I think it's good. Sure, but casual users aren't going to, like if we're talking well, about yeah, using yeah, yeah. ChatGPT directly at the moment, it's not, that's not super practical. And, and if it's a time-saving tool, what's the point anymore? But yeah, so but right. what about the, like, you don't have any concerns around it? I have concerns. Like, my query can have emails. I don't want them to be leaked or SSN numbers or some medical info. I, I don't this data to be leaked. So, yeah. of course, I need some gloves or mask. What's the best name for this project? PG mask or PG gloves or something else? PG non or something. Maybe that's not got good connotations. Okay, I'll think about it more. But this is, uh, I, I bootstrapped it slightly. But I think it will have some negative effect because when you talk to ChatGPT, if you have some experience, yes, I, you say, this is table persons, it has a column email. And from names, ChatGPT also can suggest something useful. For example, it can, it can suggest you to have index lower on email, for example, to have it cancel sensitive or to use data type CI text, cancel sensitive text, right? Yeah. If you convert it to column one, it will it won't it like it will work less efficiently, right? But you well, you lose something here, you know, some senses, right? From that can be derived from names. But at least you are protected. If you transform to some weird names using some tools or maybe your own new ones, and then uh, in responses you transform substrings to back to it. It will protect your, your, you almost fully. Some people told me that some SQL queries, their structure can be also like considered as IP. Well, I can share very advanced SQL examples. Very advanced. I learned from other people. This is about area three patents. Okay, like this query text, explain plan text. It's not just like patents. patents. It's not just patents though, right? It's also even coming up with those it is somewhat might be somewhat novel and the idea that like secrecy here i i think everything should be open all okay. recipes postgres is open recipes should be open talks should be open recordings should be open everything should be open nice we've run long i think it's a good one still it was supposed to be a very short episode <laughs> yeah how do you want to conclude verify Check, test, experiment. This is the key. I like the thinking of using it as like a brainstorming tool, like as a creativity tool, give you ideas and very much don't trust anything it says, but you might get some good ideas. From Same it. as humans. Uh, don't trust our episodes. Yeah. Nice one. Well, thank you, Nikolai. Thanks, okay. everybody. Thank and you, see you Michael. next week. Good. See you.